Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you, and thank you for tuning in today. I pray that these are a blessing to you as we go through the book, the Bible, God's Word. Today we are in the book of Revelation, and we are in Revelation chapter 11, and we want to conclude today's discussion on the two witnesses and begin to move forward into Revelation. And so to do that, let's read this section that we're going to cover today in Revelation chapter 11. I want to begin the reading in verse 11, and we will read through verse 14. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Today, I want us to cover this particular section as we conclude our discussion on the two witnesses as we move forward to the rest of the book. So in order to do that, let's just review a little bit about the two witnesses. We've been talking about them for quite some time now in several episodes. I wanted to cover several different things, and so we broke it into smaller episodes to cover those in some detail because it is one of the most intriguing aspects and and topics in the book of Revelation, and there's much that we need to understand from the scriptures. So we looked at them. We looked at possibilities of who they are in terms of their name, but we are given their identity in verse 4. We talked about their mission. We talked about why there had to be two of them to attest to these things and to usher in the judgment of God as well as to help in the in the rescue of the righteous, just like it was true in the Old Testament pattern. We talked about the authority they will have and the invincibility they will have for the duration of their ministry, which is a total of 1260 days or three and a half years. At the end of that, then they will be killed. And we looked at that in the last episode. They will be killed. They will not, they will not allow the bodies to be buried and they will lay in the street for three and a half days. So now we pick up this reading in verse 11 at the end of those three and a half days. Now, let's talk about a few things first. First of all, this tells us we are at the midpoint of what we typically refer to as the tribulation period. Now, I want to get a little further into this discussion about the varying events of the tribulation in a coming episode not too far down the way, but here at this middle point of the tribulation, several things happen. 
Some of them are told to us here in, in Revelation. Some are told to us in other places. For instance, we see these two witnesses are killed at the middle point of the tribulation, and they are resurrected and taken up into heaven. There are many people discuss a mid-tribulation rapture. If you want to consider this a mid-tribulation rapture, then those two witnesses we know for certain will be the two that are raptured. There is some consideration that perhaps others will be raptured with them at this time. The scripture here does not indicate that. However, there are some future scriptures in Revelation that may indicate, such as the 144,000. When, when do they go to heaven? What about certain tribulation saints or those who have believed in Jesus in these first three and a half years, saved Jews, for instance. We don't know that. We don't know the answer to that, but that will be a discussion that we will pick up in another coming episode. Jesus spoke about a flight to the wilderness and an abomination of desolation. Those things also occur at this middle point of the tribulation. So, all of those we're going to discuss in some more detail in a coming episode. However, here, I would like to make some notes here about this particular topic. I want us to understand a couple of quick points here before we move on. First of all, there is a difference as we read through Revelation between the chronological sections of Revelation and the narrative sections of Revelation. Some consider the narrative sections almost like a break or an interruption in the flow of the chronology. There is the chronology that's listed for us in Revelation in certain places, chapters and verses, and this is a succession of events. They're going to occur, and then this one's going to lead to this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one will happen after that or before that, etc. So there is a succession of events that happen chronologically, and those are given to us in Revelation. However, Revelation also gives us narrative, which gives us clarity and supplies details to explain and to understand the events in the chronological succession. So this section in Revelation that we began in chapter 10, and for the most part continues through chapter 15, is one of those large, the largest section of narrative that's in the book of Revelation for us. There's only one element that is chronological that happens in this, and that is the seventh trumpet sounding. And we will get to that probably in the very next episode. And it is mentioned in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, and it is shown to us in the next episode when we pick it up in verse 15 of chapter 11. Now, some in the narrative are not necessarily given to us specifically in terms of their time to the chronological events, but they fit 
through other areas that we will study and through other verses and perhaps even places in the scripture that help us identify the chronological events with their particular narratives. Some are specific. So in other words, for instance, we've been studying these two witnesses and there were quite a few specifics that were given to us, especially in regard to their duration and their invincibility of ministry during the time of their duration. Their duration was specifically told to us 1260 days, which is three and a half years or 42 months because they're based on 30 day months. So that tells us we are in the first half of what we typically call the tribulation, but what might be better referred to as Daniel's 70th week. Now this has brought us to this mid-tribulation point. And as I mentioned, there's much that happens here, including some surprises in terms of the chronological events. For instance, the surprise that we are reading here in this particular passage, Revelation 11, verse 11 through 14. Now, this event, as we said, the killing of these two witnesses occurs at the midpoint, and they lay in the street, their bodies lay dead in the street for three and a half days. But at the end of that three and a half days, God breathes life into them and they are resurrected. They stand on their feet, which causes great fear on those who witness this. Now, I can understand that. You've got people that have laid there dead, dead bodies, no heartbeat, no pulse, no nothing for three and a half days. And all of a sudden, to their surprise, God breathes life into these two witnesses and the world who has been partying and sending their gifts to each other, if you'll remember, now has to deal with these two witnesses coming alive again. So that does create great fear in them. These two witnesses hear a call from heaven. Now I want you to notice a couple of things because in this passage it speaks about they and them and their enemies, etc. It mentions those pronouns. This tells me that the call that comes from heaven to them seems like it's only heard by them. Now, that may or may not be the case, but it does, the way the wording is, it indicates that to me, that the call goes just to them to come up here. Others may have heard it or others may have thought that it sounded like thunder or some other sound from heaven that wasn't clear to them. We have a couple of occasions for that. It's mentioned in the Gospels in reference to some things that were done with Jesus and voice that came from heaven. It's also indicated in Acts chapter 9 with the conversion of the Apostle Paul, who was Saul at that time. So it may be that the sound may not be clear to anyone else but them, but it may be a sound that is heard in some way that perhaps they think it's thunder or whatever. We just do not know. But the voice 
from heaven to these two witnesses says, come up here. The exact same call that is given in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, which we believe was one of the reasons for the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, of the bride of Jesus Christ. That is the call that's given there after these things, it says in Revelation 4, verse 1, which means after the churches are done, after the church age, if you will. So here these two witnesses now get the exact same call. And the Bible says they ascended to heaven in a cloud. And notice this, their enemies see them rise in the air, witnessing this event. The Bible says then that in that very same hour, there is a mega seismos. In other words, a great earthquake, a great tsunami agitation of some kind. And in that great earthquake, one-tenth of the city of Jerusalem fell. That's where they were. John had made that clear to them, that it was the city where our Lord was crucified. That's where they had died. That's where they were laying in the street. That is the city that is spoken of here. One-tenth of Jerusalem will fall, fall down in some way. There will be destruction to one-tenth of the city of Jerusalem. Notice this, it also tells us that in that event, 7,000 people will be killed. Now, this is interesting because we've talked about how, according to the Bible, it does strongly appear that Elijah is one of these two witnesses. And in the days of Elijah, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18, you will see that when Elijah thought he was the only one and he's running hidden in the cave, that God tells him, he says, no, you don't understand. There are 7,000 reserved and faithful to me, Elijah. That's what he's saying. God is telling him that. So 7,000 in that instance were reserved and were faithful to the Lord. And that was revealed to Elijah. But now we have in reference to Elijah and this other witness, which we believe Elijah to be strongly one of those two witnesses, now you have a total of 7,000 people killed. Now, I just find that very interesting. Other people that witness this are afraid and give glory to God. After the earthquake, after the 7,000 are killed, then we do have other people that witness it, and they are afraid and give glory to God. Now, the Bible tells us here that this is the conclusion of the second woe. But there's a warning. The third woe is coming very quickly. If you'll remember, back in an earlier chapter, in chapter 9, I believe it was, we have the warning about these three woes that are coming, that are going to be worse than the other trumpet judgments that were occurring. So now we have this second woe associated with the events here and the fact that this seventh trumpet 
is going to be sounding. God always has the last word. Always. These two witnesses served him, fulfilled their ministry, but they were hated by the world. They were despised by the Antichrist. They were completely rejected. And so at the end of the 1260 days, the Antichrist ends up being able to kill them, lay their bodies in the street for three and a half days, have some wild parties over the fact that these men are dead because they hated what they told them. They hated their ministry. They hated their words. They hated their witness. And we looked at that the other day because in John chapter 3, it tells us why. The world has hated and rejected them because the world's deeds are evil and these men were shining light on it and they hate the light. They reject the light. They don't want their evil deeds exposed. So they have hated these two witnesses. Their ministry is now done, but God is having the final word. God does not leave them and their dead bodies there in the street for these evil men to do with them as they will. God miraculously breathes life back into them, resurrects them, and then takes them up to heaven. God will always have the last word in any situation. Things are not always as they seem. The world was rejoicing, thought they had destroyed them, thought they had seen the end of them, thought they had killed them off. And they didn't have to worry about it anymore. But they had no idea what was about to happen. The surprise came. Those men were resurrected and then taken up. And this was a public rapture, if you will, if you want to call it that. Although we're not sure if anyone else but the two witnesses were involved in this. Possibly the 144,000. Possibly some of the perhaps saved Jews or those that had gotten saved in the first half of the tribulation. We don't know that for sure. But we do know that it was public that they were able, their enemies were able to see them rising. God always has the last word. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.